Welcome to this William Reed Business Media podcast. I'm Shane Starling in Geneva at the Feeding the Future conference. Um, and I'm very pleased to be joined by Alana Gustafsson, who is the founder and executive director of The 30 Project. What's that? The 30 Project is my way of understanding how, in the last 30 years, we've developed these dual problems of a hundred of a billion people obese and a billion people hungry, and how we can, in the next 30 years, really look at the systems that underpin both hunger and obesity and develop the solutions that will address both and not just one at a time. Okay, now today there's been a lot of discussion about um, improving uh, productivity, improving food production, uh, better private-public arrangements. Do you think a lot of those initiatives um, are able to solve this problem? I think what's frustrating about some of these conferences is that the whole focus at the end of the day boils down to yield. And yield is not the real question that we should be solving for. When you look at the numbers of, of, and the amount of food that exists today in the world, we actually can feed the world today from a calorie perspective. What we can't do is provide the proper micronutrients and nutrition and healthful foods that people on both sides of the double burden of nutrition need to become healthier people. And so I think we're really solving for the wrong, wrong problem. Unfortunately, the systems that a lot of these companies exist in is really built on their ability to grow more and more and more yields over time and not so much built on how we can look at markets and look at capitalism in a new way and find the really free market solutions to get access to fresh fruits and vegetables, high quality meats and proteins, and really good well-grown grains for, for a very hungry and very overweight population. Okay, so it's increasing the nutritional value of, of a wide variety of foods. How is that done? Is that via GM? You know, again, I think, again, it's the wrong question. We don't necessarily need GM crops when you look at the real numbers of people in the world and the real numbers of food calories that are produced. So perhaps they can be a solution, but most of the GM crops that exist today and the solutions that are being developed for the future are, again, in those high-commodity, high-yield crops, which are not the solution to the fundamental nutrition crisis that we're all dealing with. So I think really disruptive technologies and really disruptive solutions from business have to come. And I honestly think, in some ways, they're not going to come from the people in this room. They're going to come from the startups and from the new markets and from the direct farm-to-consumer programs that are being developed all around the world right now. Those are the way of the future, and I hope some of these companies will, will eventually cash in on those. You said you were looking uh, today, you said you were looking for a Google. Is, what, uh, can you give me an example of, of such a disruptive technology that may come in or is on the way in? You know, I think when you look at what's happening in, in, in a lot of the wealthy countries um, today, there are so many interesting technology solutions and logistics solutions to get farm fresh food direct to consumers. And that's what people want. Get rid of the middleman, give the whole dollar spent from the consumer to the farmer, and find the technologies that will connect those urban consumers and the suburban consumers to the farmers that are right in their areas. Those, I think, are the disruptive technologies of the future that are actually going to be required for Africa and Latin America and Asia in the exact same way as they're required for the Western world. And you're mentioning increasing nutritional properties of foods. Does that include um, fortification of foods, as in functional foods, and using vitamin supplements and mineral supplements and herbal supplements, etc.? I think in the short term, vitamin supplementation is hugely important, probably for the whole population. But in the long term, I think we should be looking for ways that we can just grow the right mix of crops that already contain those vitamins and include them in our diet in sustainable ways. Again, I think there's two different conversations. One is, how do we get people that are truly micronutrient deficient, the proper nutrients to actually be able to grow and thrive? But in the long term, we shouldn't be looking to pop a pill, you know, like like the TV show The Jetsons to get all our food. We should be looking for the right mix of foods grown in the right way that give us the nutritional balance that we need. But aren't those kinds of foods too expensive for most people, especially if they're organic? 
Um, no, I think that's a huge fallacy based on a, a really inconsistent um, sort of idea of what an open market is. Today, there's a ton of corporate welfare that actually favors not a free market and favors um, subsidi subsidies and, and, and negative externalities of foods that are not built into them. So there's a lot of false pricing in foods that actually should be very expensive, but aren't. It's absolutely ridiculous to think that a, a hamburger for 99 cents is somehow going to be less expensive than an organic salad. That, that actually doesn't make any economic sense at all. And in the long term, I think those things will shift with the proper balance of cutting some of the government programs and really understanding how market forces can work for, for providing food that people really want. So the, the world can feed itself with 9 billion people in 2050? Absolutely. Great. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Shane Starling for William Reed Business Media in Geneva at Food Feeding the Future.